Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for April 8th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we dive into policy with updates on agriculture-focused initiatives, programs, and legislation at the federal and state levels. First, Ken Moore sits down with Arkansas Farm Bureau Director of Public Affairs and Government Relations, Matt King. Last year, Congress passed CFAP 2.1, an updated version of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. The contract poultry growers, hurt by extended out times and fewer flocks, were initially left out. Matt explains how Farm Bureau and other ag groups are working to have poultry farmers added to the assistance program and also updates us on ag priorities in Congress. Welcome to AgCast, and this week I'm visiting once again with Matt King, Director of Public Affairs and Government Relations for Arkansas Farm Bureau. And Matt is our team member who works very closely monitoring federal regulations and legislation out of Washington and also works very, very closely with our state congressional delegation. Matt, thanks for being with us again this week. Thanks for having me, Ken. It's an exciting time right now as we sit here, as COVID starts to wind down and everything starts to get back to a little bit of of normalcy, hopefully with with, uh, the vaccines and everything going out. It's great that agriculture is one of the the, um, essential um, operations to where we can qualify farmers across the state are starting to get vaccinated and get back to work be able to to do their jobs and it's just a great time right now hopefully we get back to some kind of normal boy we all hope that Absolutely. very very soon now we are officially into the second year of dealing with the pandemic and that as we know last year in 2020 it really affected uh production agriculture in a lot of ways absolutely ken i mean we had last year coming into i remember this time last year we were going out working with the farm core group trying to find employees for farmers because the h2a workers and others had a lot of difficulties getting into the country we're afraid we were going to have some of those things this year started out kind of slow but things have picked up Excited to see those uh, foreign workers be able to come in because it's hard work on a farm and it's just mm-hmm. really challenging trying to find find those employees out there and it's what a difference a year makes. I'm telling you for sure, for sure, and hopefully that farm labor will not be as much of an issue this year as we enter the planting season, mm-hmm. get into the production season as it was a year ago. But let's talk specifically about a couple of uh, federal aid or assistance programs that were implemented last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of our production and ag uh, workers were eligible to participate last year. So let's talk about the coronavirus food assistance program. They're calling it CFAP 2.1 now. Right. Whenever we came out with the first CFAP program, had lots of support in there for every, for most, most sectors, the livestock industry had a lot of support in there. The specialty crops had money in this as well as the row crop guys. But the one thing that was left out was contract growers. And if you look at the state of Arkansas, a huge portion of our farmers mm-hmm. out here are poultry producers. So we were excited. They came out with the second round of CFAP, still was left out. Farm Bureau was one of the groups that was out here very, really advocating, trying to get some type of support out here. Because as we saw last year with the slowdowns in uh, production or with, with the slowdown in sales and things like that, it, I, most consumers will remember going to the grocery store and not being able to find anything on the shelves. It wasn't because the product wasn't out there. It's because of a supply chain backup whenever the, the plants and others couldn't process the product. And we typically would send a large share of our product would go into the food service market. Now everything, nobody's eating out. 
So everything's got to come back to the home. So it's a completely different packaging going to a home sale versus going to a restaurant. So as though, as we saw companies and everybody try to make those adjustments, it just took some time to get that product in. And it caused a lot of our farm, our poultry farmers and things like that around the state may have two weeks of out time that got extended to four weeks, six weeks, right. eight weeks, just a huge, huge delay in getting their product to the marketplace or getting, getting new chickens in. And what that did was then it cost them flocks. So they, right. it, whenever they have these longer delays, they can't get the product. They can't get their their uh, chickens on farm. So there is no revenue there. So if you look at a chicken farm, most of them will get four to five, maybe six flocks a year. At six would be a great year. Most are going to be four or five. So if you lose one of those flocks, that's your profit for the year. So imagine any business out there taking, I mean, most of the businesses, the restaurants and others taking that 20% hit, it was really, really challenging for them. But they had things like PPP. They had all these different products that they could go and apply for and help provide some support to make up for those. If you were a poultry farmer, in many cases, you're as the, as the owner, you're the employee on the farm or some of your family members are, so you may not qualify for some of those PPP programs. There was no support package out there to help with the revenue because you are a contract grower. So when they finally came out with the, le- the last round of this 2.1 that you're mentioning here in December, we actually had the opportunity to, to for poultry growers that said that they were going to make up 80% of the revenue, several rules that Congress wrote in there. And so the administration, the, for, the Trump administration, one of the last things they did was come out with a rule that says this is what's going to be be available for poultry growers. But when the new administration came in, as all administrations do whenever we see changes in Washington, D.C., they went in and took out those. They, they put a halt on all rules that had been published in the last 30 days, and this one got, got caught up in that. So when we had a couple of weeks ago, we had some rules come out on CFAP. We're very disappointed to see that poultry was left out and they're still working, trying to figure out how they're going to do this because poultry is such a different animal mm-hmm. when you look at this program sure. because the poultry farmers don't own the birds until they die. Right. If they pass away on the on the farm, then the, the, the poultry producer owns those birds, but it's that live bird that they uh, uh, are responsible for. We proposed out there a, a, just a square foot payment, trying to look at on average what these things are. That's what Farm Bureau had pushed very heavily at the onset of this, trying to make up some of those revenue losses and give give poultry farmers an opportunity. But we continue to monitor this. We're very fortunate to have uh, Senator Bozeman in the position that he's in as the ranking member on the Senate Ag Committee. Uh, Congressman Crawford is a huge advocate on the House side of this with his, with his role on the um, uh, on the Ag Committee there, as well as the rest of our delegation. Everybody understands the extreme importance of poultry to the state of Arkansas and let's we need to get Congress has authorized this Congress has said this has to be they have to have this program so it will we'll have the program at the end of the day but it's just going to take us a while to get there and then uh, also in some of these things looking at some of the other programs for livestock so if, if folks had signed up for a livestock program under the original CFAP there's probably some money in there for them this time as well as the row crop guys, there's $20 an acre for for those payments that are going to come out of this that were all dictated in law and the USDA's developed rules. But with poultry, they're still trying to figure out how they're going to meet those those rules that Congress set forth. Wow. Well, thank you. And we appreciate uh, your work with the delegation, you know, 
Senator Bozeman, and as you said, Congressman Crawford and the others, because obviously poultry is huge in Arkansas. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do they know that all across the country? Do they know that in Washington, how just critical this is uh, for the poultry industry? This is, this is just such a complicated issue because when you look at the state of Arkansas, and Arkansas is extremely blessed to have multiple integrators in the yeah, state where right. we have – we have Tyson, you have George's, you have Simmons, you have other OK Foods, you have other other poultry companies that operate in the state of Arkansas. So with that come with all of these different companies, there's a lot of competition here. So our producers are very blessed to have that competition because competition is a good thing in the marketplace. When you go to other parts of the country, you go to Illinois or Indiana or even up in the Delmarva Peninsula, you don't have as much competition as what we have here in Arkansas. So those producers were impacted differently with less competition than what our, than what we were here in Arkansas. So that's where some of the complexity of this comes into play mm, is okay. what do the what do those what do those folks up there need in trying to in the in an effort to try to develop a perfect program that meets everybody's needs, it's gonna take a very long time and it's gonna upset some folks. Because I, I'm afraid it could potentially upset some folks because sometimes the perfection is the enemy of, of good. And trying to do do something that's going to be expedited, we don't want to have too much paperwork for producers and things like that. So we'll see see where some of this goes. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the out times that they were dealing with last year. Are those out times still continuing in twenty twenty one? Are they still going to, or do we think that they might be able to get a handle on the the supply chain, you know, the production and the processing plants so that they can avoid losing those out times. We, we've seen the supply chain and everything come back to a more normal over the last few months as we've seen restaurants open back up. You've seen the, the glut that was in there that has been worked out, and a lot of pro- producers are back to a more normal out time. Okay. But the, the issue that you have in some of these things is if I have, depending on when I got my chickens, that's going to determine how many how many flocks that I got this year. So if I got if I got chickens at the beginning of January in 2020, and then I had a long out time and I I recovered by the end of the year, I may not show any loss, but I actually had a loss because this was supposed to be my big year. So on paper, it may not look like I had a loss, but I did have a, there was an opportunity cost. There was a loss there on my farm because every year the way that my flocks are set up, this this bigger year is supposed to help next year whenever it's going to be a little shorter just because of the way the timing works out. So let's, that's that's where a lot of the complexities of this come out. But the, as far as out times and things like that go, I think we've gotten back to a much more normal normal out time. That's that's good to know. They just need some help because they didn't get it last year. They, yes, sir. When other producers did and qualified. Well, let's kind of transfer or transition, I should say, over to PPP. You referenced the Payment Protection Program. And I know some of our uh, producers did benefit from that because that allowed them to have some capital and financial assistance to help pay their workers on the farm. But where does that play in? And and I see here where Congress has extended the PPP application deadline again, uh, just recently, the existing March 31 deadline now has been extended until the end of May, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've they've extended this deadline, um, changed some of the rules up to make it make more agricultural producers eligible for this program. It's a great program. If, uh, if you have employees, if you have some capital, things like that on your farm that you're needing, a lot of the banks are the ones that have really taken the lead on this. And with if your banker calls you up and says, this is what you need to do, do it. Because it's a 
it's a loan that you can get, but then the loan's going to be forgiven by the federal government. So it's been a great opportunity. It's not like the idle and some of these others. There's a lot of confusion from some folks to where whenever they went out and applied for the idle program, that was truly a loan. You got a, a low interest loan over 30 years to put on your operation, but you had to pay that back on your PPP. You may not qualify for as much money as you did under idle, but that money's not going to have to be paid back. And we've seen a lot of producers be able to go out and take advantage of some of these things and, and help continue and keep the operations going. And because just like every other business out there, agricultural businesses were impacted by this also, whether it, it's been from uh, low, low prices on the onset of this because of a glut of supply or just a lack of labor and things like that that we needed we need on our operations. Again, now we're into uh, 2021. What does the labor outlook look like uh, as far as are we going to have enough seasonal workers because of under the new administration and all that? I mean, we have people needing help mm -hmm. right now planting, whether it's a row crop or horticulture. And then if certainly we get into the latter part of the season on our fruit and vegetable farms, you know, harvesting. Uh, are we going to have enough farm labor this year? We had a lot of concerns going into this season because you had some changes. We had a lot of laborers from South Africa that come over and help some of our row crop guys. We get a lot of laborers out of out of South uh, Central America and Mexico that come in to help with some of our horticulture and things like that. So whenever we started talk, because all of these things start back in August of 2020. So if you remember six months ago, the the outlook for this wasn't wasn't where it is today. Sure. So those those folks that went in and made those applications, there's concern whether are we going to be able to get these guys across the border? Even in January and February when we started uh, bringing laborers over, we had some some challenges and everything there. But a lot of those been able to work through those. The the new administration coming in has adopted some of the rules that we had for 2020 that allow these laborers to come in. So those phone calls have slowed down quite a bit uh, from what they were early February with concern over our labor. And I think that a lot of folks are being able to get there, been able to get their uh, workers to come in. That's good. Mm -hmm. We just don't want a shortage. And we don't want a shortage. And, and unfortunately, even though there's high unemployment and things like that right now, we just can't find those folks that are willing to, willing to come in and work a job, even though it's pretty good pay on a lot of these operations. Oh, sure. yeah, because, yeah. I mean, you're looking at $12, $13 an hour at least on a lot of these operations just based on what the USDA requirements are. There's housing requirements and different things like that. So if I go and hire a local person, I can afford to pay them a little bit more. But unfortunately, that labor is very hard, and you don't have the, the workforce in some of these areas where if I can go to McDonald's and make X amount of dollars or I can go – work on a tomato farm over here, I'm not, I'm going to choose to go to McDonald's, even though it's a little bit less because it's a whole lot less, less work. Well, that's why the migrant worker is willing to do that mm -hmm. field work that yes. uh, domestic workers are not right. You know? And so we depend on them very heavily. And that's why we have been working for how many years now, Matt, on reform for our H-2A program and, and new immigration law. Oh, for dec for, for yeah. decades now, we've been working on that and yeah. hopefully I mean, that, that's an important part of any kind of immigration discussion with everything going on at the southern border right now and the discussion about trying to make sure that we have some kind of immigration reform. The H-2A is going to be a, be a sticking point in some of those things, it, it, or it typically is a sticking point, trying to figure out how do we continue to have a program that works for agriculture and others to be able to get those laborers in here. And a lot of the folks, most of the folks that we bring in, 
or I guess all the folks we bring in, they want to go back home. They're not interested mm-hmm. in staying here long term. They come in, do their job, they work for three to six, three to four, five, six months here in the United States, and go home, and they've got money to live the rest of the year with their family back home. Yeah, yeah. Well, one final comment from you while we have you in here. Uh, we're, we're three months now into a new administration, mm-hmm. uh, and we, interestingly enough. Uh, President Biden chose Secretary Tom Vilsack to come back and, you know, reclaim his role as Secretary of Agriculture. We already know Secretary Vilsack, so we transitioned from uh, uh, Secretary Purdue, you know, under the previous administration to Vilsack. Was he farm-friendly? And, and what's the environmental climate? I know when you have a change in administration, you always get new uh, heads of the agencies. Mm-hmm. And we had a good relationship, to my knowledge, we got rid of the, uh, uh, you know, bad environmental regulations, you know, ditched the rule. We got rid of that under the previous administration. How do you see us going forward now under this new administration with EPA and the other agencies? Well, it's been, uh, we're excited to see Secretary Vilsack, especially given some of the other names that were thrown out there for Secretary of Agriculture. He is a known, known commodity, like you said. Um, it's very interesting watching as we move forward in this, how everything, like you said, is tied back to climate change. Um, when you look at farmers in Arkansas, that's not not something that's that's um, on their forefront. That's not something they go in and look at every day. I mean, they look at themselves. Farmers are an environmentalist. Oh, yeah. Overall, because yes. everything they do, I don't know a farmer out here that doesn't want to leave his farm better today than what he got from his dad. Because he wants to make sure he has something out there for his kids or for that next generation out there and farmers work hard every day to ensure that they're they're sustainable and they have a product out here when we look at things like the carbon credits and things like that i remember whenever i first started at farm bureau almost 15 years ago that was one of the big things that we worked on we had the chicago uh, chicago climate exchange that was put together coming in a lot of aggregators and others out there looking to come in and buy some of those credits well Chicago Climate Exchange ended up going defunct, hmm. and um, now we're back to that same discussion as to for, as to what we what we need, and um, it's going to be ch- it's a challenge right now just trying to find that one size fits all, and that's what we saw with CCX. We had some private integrators coming in because they had specific things that their clients wanted as far as as carbon storage and things like that for the timber products and things like that. And they were willing to pay for it. You had other folks that were willing to go in and purchase these land products with no-till and different things like that. And there may be a different value on some of those than what there is on this other other practice. So it's a very complicated market. And it's something that what we did at the on the onset of this 15 years ago is just trying to educate producers. Okay. Because they, they felt like there's somebody coming in wanting to buy something. Should I do this or should I not? Well, they're, you're you're signing these things up, and if you're going to sequester carbon, there's certain limits of what you can and cannot do on your property if you're going to keep that carbon sequestered. Whether it's in no-till operation, if I have a wet fall and I have to go in and till that ground up, I could release some of that carbon back out. If I'm planting trees out here, I've got to make sure that I keep those trees and I sell my land. Somebody can't just come clear-cut it and put cows on there or or the other because I've agreed to sequester carbon for, for a certain amount of time. So making sure everybody understands what those rules are and things like that is going to be, is one of the things that we worked hard on back then. And there's a lot of, a lot of challenges and things like that because there's a lot of folks out there, they're going around and selling things. But 
we continue to work. AFBF is part of a a group out there that's trying to be a part of this conversation. We want to be a part of the conversation, but we also want to make sure that um, agriculture gets recognized for what they're already doing. Because I, at the tagline of, of every one of my emails that, that folks get from me, we've got more trees in, in Arkansas than we had 100 years ago. Go ahead and print this piece of paper. It's okay. Go ahead and print this email. It's okay. We'll grow more trees. And that's one of the situations we're in in Arkansas. We have a ton of, of forest resources and things like that out there that we need to utilize because that's what keeps them healthy is being able to utilize and manage those products. The same on the row crop side, folks going in, doing no-till, cover crops, different things like that. They're doing those because it benefits their crops. And there's huge benefits in doing some of these things. Well, we just hope, and I certainly hope we always have that, uh, especially with the Environmental Protection Agency, we have uh, an administrator of that agency that is ag-friendly, understands the critical importance of farming and ranching, mm-hmm. and we're not over-permitted. Our producers are not required to have all these permits just right. to farm their land. Right. So, Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. We've got the, the gentleman who's going to be in charge of the EPA is from North Carolina, worked with the hog industry and everything there. So Good. we're hopeful that he does have some, some ag understanding, and, and um, we'll see where, where some of these things go from there. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for your time. Right. Appreciate you, buddy. And uh, thanks for giving our listeners this uh, update on what's going on in Washington and what our producers are facing uh, here in 2021 as we get right now into the planting season All right. here this year. Been talking to Matt King, Director of Public Affairs and Government Relations for Arkansas Farm Bureau on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next, Key Sutton talks to Arkansas Farm Bureau's State Affairs Director Jeff Pitchford about what agriculture issues remain on the table at the state legislature. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today, my guest is Jeff Pitchford, Director of Public Affairs and Government Relations. Jeff, we're back again. We're still in session. Uh, maybe not quite as much uh, happening in the last few days, but we still got some important things we should share with our listeners about what's going on at the Capitol. Absolutely, Keith. You know, uh, when this session started back in January, and here we are in, in April, uh, gosh, we could all know that things have changed tremendously. We've uh, gone from an, in January being a lockdown in the, in the middle of the winter to now it's springtime and uh, people have vaccines and things are happening, but uh, the legislature's still in session, so we're hopeful they'll be wrapping it up here in the next couple of weeks. So far, Keith, uh, 1,025 bills have been filed, both in the Senate and the House. Now, that's not counting all the resolutions and concurrent resolutions and joint resolutions, so uh, a lot of legislation has been filed. Uh, several have gone through um, both about a third in the House and third of the Senate bills have gone through and become an act. So um, just an interesting little tidbit there. Uh, we, we've only got a few things left here on the agenda that concerns uh, farmers and ranchers in Arkansas. I know we keep talking about the state meat inspection program. That's kind of been our biggest thing for the session uh, and here at the end, they're going to start talking about the actual budget for the state. And we're going to encourage all of our members and anyone out there to, uh, to talk to your legislators and say, hey, we want full funding for that. That $750,000 is what will get that program up and running. 
and fully fund it and get the inspectors that we need that will go across the entire state of Arkansas. And so we're going to be talking to folks and letting them know that, hey, that's, that's really important. Uh, this week, we've got a bill uh, that's in the House Committee. It's a Senate bill uh, by Senator Blake Johnson. It's one we've been watching and monitoring uh, pretty close. It involves the foreign ownership of agriculture land in Arkansas. It's a big issue. Um, this bill is being debated on several fronts, and uh, it's one of those a lot of uh, unknowns in, in it and maybe, um, maybe something that needs to be discussed even further. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, we're kind of neutral on the bill according to our policy, uh, but at the same time we have concerns about that issue going forward. And so that's going to be kind of interesting to watch and see how that debate goes as it certainly uh, affects uh, farmland across the, the state of Arkansas. So that, um, and looking at some of the, again, we've talked about it before, the tax issues as we're coming toward the end. They're going to, like I said, we're putting this budget together. When we talk about budget, we're talking about uh, $6 billion. So that's, wow. that's, that's this more than I thought we had. Yeah, that's the state's overall spending and budget. So obviously it takes a lot to, to get uh, yes. uh, that put on paper and also get 135 members. You've got the House and the Senate. They all have to agree, and the governor. So it takes a lot. We're still trying to push that if there is any kind of tax relief this session, if that can fit in, we certainly want agriculture to be at the table. So we're still working on that, but Hopefully, Keith, uh, you and I can wrap up our podcast uh, maybe, comedy maybe. show here we've got going on uh, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Well, we do want to remind everybody, call your legislators. That is a very, very important thing for our members and listeners to do. Uh, call them let them know how you feel on the different issues that you're hearing about here. And uh, that's one of the best things you can do at this point in the game, right? Absolutely, Keith. It's so important. And we always stress at Arkansas Farm Bureau to have everyone to be active and engaged. Uh, I'm telling you, a phone call from a constituent goes a lot further than anything else that can be done. And when they hear several from their constituents, they know that this is an important issue back home, and they pay attention. Legislators pay attention to their constituents. They do. We we work with all of them down here at the Capitol, and uh, their first and foremost duty is to their folks back home, and they do pay attention. That's why it's so vital. Email, phone call, uh, text, however you can feel comfortable visiting with your legislator. Tell them how important farming and agriculture and rural development is. Uh, to your legislators and keep that on the forefront. Thank you again, Jeff. That does it for another Arkansas Hackcast. We'll be back next Thursday with more news and views on Arkansas agriculture.